Well, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. God, we love You. We love You, Jesus. Thank You for truth. Hallelujah. Thank You for truth, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's indeed an honor to be here this afternoon. Thank you, Elder Pageant. Amen. Um, I turned to Brother Alvear a while ago when I said, uh, would that be a good platform to die on? <laughs> what a tremendous message that Elder Enzi gave to us and preached to us and taught to us. Oh, thank God for truth. This is a hill to die on. Thank God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments. Amen. Elder Hood last night thrilled us with the word of the Lord. Got right down where the, the rubber meets the pavement, didn't he? Preached to us, and I thank God for grace. Amen. And all of the things that goes with it. Praise the Lord. And so we are indeed thankful for what we've been hearing here in this meeting. I would like to thank the brethren on the steering committee for the invitation to come to this conference. We were here last year and enjoyed it very much. And I appreciate the invitation to come. And really, to tell you the truth, I've been trying to determine if I want to thank them for the invitation to preach. But anyway, we are honored to be here and, and uh, feel very humble here this afternoon in uh, the face of all these great men of God and their families. Amen. But I do appreciate the invitation, counted an honor. And I uh, appreciate the nice gifts that was in the motel room. Uh, I've been trying to figure out exactly how to take this. When I got there, it was a, a real nice pocket watch engraved with Apostolic Ministers Conference initials on it, the date of 2004, and a very, very nice uh, gesture. And uh, such Shepherd received a very nice crystal clock. And really, I'm trying to figure out if what this exactly means. Uh, so I'll just put it in my pocket and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Well, you understand, you got to give me just a couple of minutes here to get after what we have heard in the presence of the Lord that we felt while the elder was ministering to us here this afternoon. My, my, my. Amen. I appreciate it. So I'm glad that God gave me a revelation many years ago. Now, I'll have to admit, when I first received the Holy Ghost, I was nine years old. I'll have a birthday next month, 50 years. And uh, so I, I could not have told you and explained to you the Godhead at nine years old. I believed it, but I couldn't, I really couldn't have explained it at that early age. But I'm glad that one day the revelation, the full revelation did come. Amen. Of who Jesus is. Well, I'm keenly aware here this afternoon that uh, I, I will not be preaching to a group of novices. I will be preaching to a gathering of seasoned preachers. Amen. There are pastoring churches, evangelizing, and what have you. So I'm, I'm fully aware of that. I do not feel qualified to preach to preachers, but I did come with a message. 
that I feel God gave me. I, um, it, it seemed like for a long time the heavens was brass. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Concerning this meeting, I prayed and I meditated and I talked to God and I looked at the word of the Lord and I, I just couldn't. But one morning, I feel like the Lord spoke to my heart about what to preach at this meeting. And uh, it's just my desire somehow to be able to say something that would help uh, one of my fellow laborers in the, in the vineyard to press on. Praise God. <clears throat> now, I've talked to a lot of preachers since I've been here. And uh, really, I, I've only, I only ran into one preacher that seems like there's any ripples on the water. Everybody else is doing great. Everybody else doing wonderful. Praise God. And, um, but I did run into one. I'll give you three guesses who that was, and the first two don't count. But um, I did run into one that, uh, well, you know, I've been in this a long time, so I understand. I went to meetings before, and on the inside I was weeping, and I was hurting. On the outside, how you doing, Brother Shepherd? Oh, I'm doing all right. Amen. We're not hypocrites and we are not liars. Amen. But we are leaders trying to do our best to hold up under the pressures of the day that we might help somebody, praise God, make that city. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you again, elders, for the invitation. Would you stand? How many is going to be praying for me? Will you do that? Praise the name of the Lord. These bright lights here, I feel like a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I do want to give you what I feel like the Lord has given me. Turn your attention here this afternoon to the book of Zechariah, chapter 13, verses 7, 4 through 7. Zechariah, chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Also, I'll be reading in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. Zechariah 13, 4 through 7, and it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied. Neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive, but he shall say, I am no prophet, I am an husbandman, for man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. God bless you this afternoon. You may be seated. Please keep me in prayer. I thought when Elder Hood began to read last night, he meant he read over this verse of Scripture, but he went a little different direction than I'll be going today. Daniel chapter 7, verse 23 and 25 through 25. Then, or thus he said, the fourth, fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces, 
And the ten horns out of this kingdom are the ten kings that shall arise. And another shall rise after them. He shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. He shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until the time and times and the dividing of time. This scripture that speaks about wearing out the saints, one translation speaks of that as to wear down. Another translation says to oppress, and yet another says to persecute. I want to direct your attention here to, today to a portion of verse 7 in the 13th chapter of Zechariah. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Also the portion of Daniel chapter 7 in verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. By the help of God here this afternoon, I want to preach to you on the subject, battle-weary preachers and worn-out saints. Battle-weary preachers and worn-out saints. The word weary has several definitions, and I think most of them will fit what I want to talk about here today. One of them is physically or mentally fatigued. Another one is expressive of or prompted by fatigue. I'm talking about weary. Having one's interest is another one. Having one's interest or forbearance or indulgence worn out. Physically or mentally fatigued. I want to ask you here this afternoon to please not label my title or my message negative by the title that I have chosen to preach to you this afternoon. Smite the shepherd. Jesus referred to this verse in Matthew 26 and 31 that the good elder read last night. And it said, Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. The scripture in Daniel where it says he shall wear out the saints. That scripture, of course, in my opinion, is concerning the Antichrist which shall come to pass in the future. Amen. But I did read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. He who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The spirit of the Antichrist was working in the Apostle Paul's day. And it is working in the day that we're living in now. Praise the name of the Lord. Satan tried his best to destroy the chief shepherd. The Bible said, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. The Bible said concerning the Antichrist in that day that he will wear out the saints. But the Apostle Paul said, the spirit of the Antichrist or the spirit of iniquity doth already work in this hour that we're living. And so Satan tried to destroy Jesus. He tried to destroy the one that Elder Enzi was preaching about. 
out this afternoon and he failed. He tried to destroy the early church and he failed. He has turned his guns now on the under-shepherds that's sitting here in this congregation this afternoon. Amen. And doing his best to try to destroy us. Amen. But I'm happy to report here this afternoon that he's going to fail at that also. I hear Jesus say upon this rock. I shall build my church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Even though we have this great assurance of the church being built on the rock Christ Jesus, the battle is still raging. Does anybody besides me feel that the battle is raging? Amen. I'm talking to you. I'm preaching to you this afternoon on battle-weary preachers and worn-out saints. Praise God. I do not come to you here today, amen, from Trinity, Alabama, with a sad story to tell, amen, right now our church is probably doing better than it's done for a long, long time, and I'm so thankful for that, praise God, but I do come to you with an understanding of weariness, I do come to you here this afternoon knowing what it means to become weary, praise God, I do understand what it means for saints of God at times to be worn out. I believe this is the chief goal of Satan, that he might somehow wear the saints down. Amen. That he might somehow frustrate the preachers and get them to the place that they become battle weary. Amen. And feel like, can I do it another week? Can I do it another day? I wonder sometimes, oh, I recognize that none of us want anybody to feel that we are weary but the elder said it last night none of us are sufficient within ourselves we've got to have the power of God behind us we've got to have the Holy Ghost amen moving through us in order to keep us going and doing what we're doing for the kingdom of God I wonder how many times you preachers have walked off of a Sunday night platform amen and went home to your house and resigned your church in your mind praise God you said I don't know if I'm being if I'm getting through or not I don't know if I'm really doing what needs to be done hallelujah but come Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday amen there's something starts turning over in you and you recognize there's a flock that needs your help there's somebody that needs you to preach to them there's somebody that needs you amen to give them some direction praise the name of the Lord Amen. Smiting the shepherd and wearing out the saints. The pressure's on, folks. The pressure is on. Hallelujah. Amen. We have fought against so many things as, uh, as we have pastored for many years and so as well have you and we have fought so many things so many spirits over the years that you have fought against amen we have and it's been mentioned already in this uh, conference amen we fought against television amen we have stood strong against 
television. Amen. We have said no one in our assembly, amen, is to have television because we recognize the evils of that thing. Amen. You say, what causes preachers to become battle weary? I'll tell you a part of what causes it is the pressures that we face. Amen. Pressures from the outside. Sometimes pressures from the inside. Sometimes pressures from liberal groups. Amen. Across the country. And we face those pressures. Amen. We fought against video. Amen. We have fought against these things. And by the grace of God, I believe in this group of preachers here, God has given us victory. I believe God has given us victory. I believe I'm talking to some preachers that are, as it has been said, are conservative men. Men that will stand for something. Men that will put their life on the line. Men that's not going to hold their finger up and see which way the wind's blowing to decide which way they're going. Men with integrity. Men with ethics. Men with principle. Men that will stand. Praise God and preach this great unadulterated word of God. Now we're fighting against the internet. It seems like Satan is relentless. It seems like he never will give up. And that is the truth. It seems like about the time we get one thing, amen, pretty well under control, then there's something else raises up its ugly head. And now the internet has raised its head up. And what are we going to do about that? Some have turned it loose. Others have said, no, we're not doing it here because of the inherent dangers that's involved in what's going on with the internet would you just let me be myself today hallelujah and so all of these things bring pressure amen upon the pastor the ministry and upon the saints of God I was at a meeting in Texas a few weeks ago and they talked about the internet and after the preacher got through preaching, I found myself a place to pray. And as I was praying, uh, this, this, uh, my stand on internet is, is simply totally for education or business purposes. Now, you can do it any way you want to do it, but that's the stand I have taken on the internet situation. I don't want my folks in our church to have internet in their home for, for entertainment in any way, shape, or form. Amen. Can I get a witness? So I, I am aware that I'm preaching to preachers here today. And so uh, I don't know how you believe it, but I believe your church is sovereign. I believe your church, amen, is under God and you. Praise the name of the Lord. And we are gathered here together in this meeting to receive something from the Lord and to receive help from one another. Praise God. I am not an island to myself. I do not feel that I have all the answers. I do not feel that I can make it all alone. I need the help of my brothers. I need the help of preachers that will preach to me like we've been hearing here in this meeting. I need help. Praise God. And so I have taken that stand and uh, after he preached that message, I found myself a place to pray, Elder Pageant, and I, I begin to think, I wonder how many new businesses has been started. I wonder how many new businesses have been started in our church since I took that stand. Now, I don't know that there's been any, but I did go back home and address the situation. 
I don't want to look for loopholes, do you? Praise the name of the Lord. I, I want to do the right thing and I want to be right, but I recognize that there's so much filth. There's so much uh, pornography and there's so many things on the internet, amen, that we must take a stand. Praise God. Your stand may be stronger than mine. My stand may be stronger than yours, but somehow or another in this last hour, preachers, we've got to take a stand against the things that's making inroads into the churches because it's going to sap the victory of the saints of God. Hallelujah. And then the DVDs come along that's already been mentioned. Amen. On the computers, you can hardly buy a computer nowadays without the DVD portion on it. Amen. And so it's just a continual, constant thing. Amen. Amen. And so these are things that we have to deal with and the pressure of dealing with. Somebody said that's no pressure. Well, when you put that on and you add something else on and you add something else on, amen. Somewhere along the line, sometime or another in your life, you're going to get battle weary. And if I can't help but one or two preachers in this building here this afternoon. Amen. If you're in this place and you're feeling tired and you're feeling weary and you feel like the battle. Amen. Oh, no, we're not quitting. Don't get that idea. Praise God. But sometimes I've heard in this meeting the word tired mentioned. I've heard the word weary mentioned several times in this meeting. Praise God. And so it is that sometimes we get weary. But be it known unto you, devil, that we're not stopping. We're not going to quit preaching. Praise God. We're not going to quit standing for truth. We're not going to quit preaching against the things uh, that's trying to make inroads into the church. Oh, hallelujah. I don't mean to reiterate what was said last night. Amen. But these are some things that I begin to think about and pray about. And the things that I can see that's coming among many other things. And thank God for a church that's standing. I said thank God for a church that's standing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I begin to think about things that's, that's going on. One of the things, and we don't like to talk about it. But one of the things that's making inroads into churches across the country is the divorce and remarriage issue. Amen. Are you hearing me now? Praise God for any cause. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Hallelujah. But the book says from the beginning it was not so. Hallelujah. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but I'm going to tell you what I believe here this afternoon. I believe when you come to the house of God, you repent of your sins and you get baptized in Jesus' name, that woman or that man you come to God with is yours till death do you part. And I'm talking about graveyard dead. I'm talking about room temperature dead. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Ah, I'm going to tell you right now, I've not always been this big. I only weighed 35 pounds when I was born. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is too serious for that mess. I weighed about 175 pounds when I got married. My wife's a good cook. 
But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't make any difference. Over the years, we've been married over 40 years now. And it doesn't make any difference if I've gained some weight. Doesn't make any difference if I don't look like I did when she married me. I'm still hers. Till death do I part. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and, and I'm telling you, and I'm going to tell you why that I feel the way I feel about this, if you will allow me to. Praise God. Because it is so serious. We make a little light and we make it a little light sometimes to try to get a message across. And that's all right. But this is one of the most serious things that we're facing in this hour. Because I'm going to tell you why it's so serious. It's heaven or hell. Now you will be the decider of how you preach in your church. Praise God. Every man has a right to decide what he's going to preach in his church. And if you don't believe it like I believe it, then I give you the right to be wrong. Amen. Every man. <laughs> Every man has a right to preach what he feels. And he's going to be responsible for his assembly. Amen. And little by little, little by little. Amen. For years we've fought it and we've preached it. Amen. And we've expressed the need to hold fast. Amen. To the old past and to hold fast. Amen. To what the word, hey, the elder was preaching to us that we got to hold on to this one God message. Amen. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The only wise God. The only God. Praise the Lord. There's other things also as well that we've got to hold on to. Little by little, it's creeping into the pulpit. Little by little, it's creeping in. And, and I want to tell you, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, because I don't want to feel that I would be taking advantage of this pulpit here today. But the reason that I feel so strongly about this is because it is so vital and so serious. Amen. After we have discussed it, now, I've got some friends in this place today that don't believe it just like I do. And when we leave here, I'm still going to be their friend. Because, you see, they're going to have to answer to God for what they preach just like I am. Amen. But I just want to, for your consideration, just drop something here to let you think about it as perhaps from my way of thinking. The seriousness of it. And, and after we've talked it over and, and after we've said, now he did this and she did that and, and she and he and they and all the other things we talk about. When it's all said and done, it's either adultery or it's not. I mean, after we've, after we've, went through all the avenues and we've looked at every side of it and every angle and, and, and all of this and, and, and we made our decision and we decided this is what the Bible says about it and, and this is what I feel. Amen. Uh, sometimes pastors, we don't really relish, amen, the fact that we have to sometimes make decisions. 
And the thing that scares me to death, Elder, is the fact that it's going to be an eternal decision. When we're talking about what I'm talking about right now, it's an eternal decision. It's either adultery or it's not adultery. That's the bottom line. Amen. And that scares me. That bothers me. Hey, I'm not going into this lightly here this afternoon. Amen. And I know you don't approach it lightly, but it's a very serious situation when a couple and one or the other does something they ought to do or for some reason they are separated. I had a, a man come up to me some time ago in another state and he was from California and he came up to me and he said, Brother Shepherd, I'm so-and-so. I heard you preach on divorce and remarriage and um, I want to thank you. I didn't even remember preaching it, didn't remember where I preached it. Or whatever. But he said, my wife and I's marriage was falling apart. Said, between what you preached and what my pastor preached, our marriage is together and we're doing good. Can you give the Lord a hand clap? So the seriousness of what I'm talking about. Amen. And I'm going to pass over this. I'm talking about battle-weary preachers and wore-out saints. Amen. And so the seriousness of this, amen, it sort of, it sort of reminds me of anybody ever heard of Russian roulette? That's when they, that's when they take a revolver and they put one bullet in a cylinder and they spin it. Whether it's a nine shot or a Six shot or five shot, whatever. They spin it, they put it to their head, and they gamble. It will not be a live round in that cylinder. And they pull the trigger. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not much of a gambler. But when I think about what I'm talking about here right now, and I know it's quiet, but I hope I'm not being offensive. I don't mean to be. But when I have that individual sit before me and I hand him the pistol and I say, now, this is a two shot. One cylinder is filled with a deadly cartridge. Because you see, it's no longer a nine shot. It's no longer a six shot or a five shot but it comes down to either is or it ain't and the bible said there'll be no adulterers in heaven and so this is what scares me young folks you better listen to your pastor as he preaches to you about the sacredness of marriage you better listen praise god to somebody that's preaching to you Amen. It's till death do you part. Don't run out here and grab you a wife so quick. Amen. And find someone that this is the most flirtatious. And sometimes it seems like that young men are sometimes gravitating to that type of an individual and young ladies as well. But you need to find somebody that's praying. You need to find somebody that'll come to the altar. You need to find somebody that'll worship. 
Praise the name of the Lord. There's a lot of young folks in this place today. Amen. The children of these good pastors. Amen. And one day they're going to find somebody to spend the rest of their life with. And we're trying to help you understand that this is until death do you part. I don't care if she burns a bacon every morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, if I hand them that loaded revolver, it is no longer a nine shot or a six shot or a five shot. I know this is very elementary, but listen to me. I made this statement some time ago that it's one out of two. But my dear friend, Dr. Elder Mobley, corrected me later and he said, you know, really, it's not one out of two. It's one out of one. Because if, if it's right, you ain't got nothing to worry about. If it's wrong, it's over. And if you think this ain't pressure, if you think that this won't make a preacher battle weary, Wait till you have them come into your office weeping and crying. Wait till you have them come into your office and as you have probably more than one time and they've sat there and in your own self and your emotions, amen, you would gladly give them a right to remarry if the book didn't stop them. I'm talking about our emotions. Praise God. I've already spent more time on this than I intended to. So let me move on very quickly. But it is very, very important. And it's something that's putting pressure on the ministry. Amen. Today like it never has before. You want to know why? Because the world has accepted it. And everything the world accepts eventually is going to try to creep in to the church. Preach it however you want to preach it, my dear fellow brother. Amen. But I'm telling you, one day I'm going to have to stand before God. And if I could help some preacher in here that don't have it running rampant in your church, I would to God that you'd stand, amen, for the truth and stand for right and say, by the grace of God, it's not coming in here. The battle's raging. Yes. Hallelujah. But I hear the writer say, be not weary. <laughs> in well-doing for in due season. I'm just teaching a little today. I, I asked Elder, Elder Bass, I said, what am, what am I supposed to do? Or am I supposed to teach or preach? said, whatever you feel like doing. So I'm just doing a little teaching here today. Praise God. Sometimes we get battle-weary. Sometimes we... Saints get tired and wore down. Folks, the saints are facing all kinds of trouble that we pastor. We just got word just a couple of weeks ago that one of our dear sisters in the church, she's one of our school supervisors, active in so many things in the church. Amen. We just got word that she's got cancer, the fastest growing kind of cancer. Amen. And so here we've got to deal with this. We've got to try to encourage her. We got the church praying. 
Amen. We've got other sisters in the church that's been through similar experiences and they're encouraging her. Amen. And so these things that wear the saints down. Hallelujah. Oh God. That's why we need to have powerful church. That's why we need to see the glory of God coming down in our services. Hallelujah. They may come to church tired, but let me tell you something. They can leave inspired. Praise the Lord. They may come to church with a weary mind, but they can leave feeling like that the Holy Ghost has reached down and touched them. Oh, God, is anybody in here? You don't have to say amen to this, but surely there's somebody in this place today, amen, that's facing some very difficult situations in your life. And if I could do anything today, I just want to say a word to encourage you. Lift up your head. Your redemption's drawing nigh. Lift up your head. Jesus is coming. Lift up your head. Praise God. God will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. I don't know how you other preachers feel about it, but I, sometimes the prayer request, you may have them written on a paper, you may have vocal prayer requests, however you do it, but sometimes the prayer request in our church overwhelms me. I hear the needs of the people. And I feel so inadequate. And then all of a sudden I recognize and realize that I cannot answer their prayer. Amen. But I know a God that can. I said, I know a God that can. Praise God. So we encourage them to believe God. And how many times, how many times as we as preachers, we've pushed for good church. Amen. With a great desire to see the saints blessed and see them helped. Only return to our home. Amen. To sit down in the recliner. Amen. And weep and cry. Sometimes because of church problems. Sometimes because of situations that arise. And then there's times that you do it because you have a great need. And we went to the house of God and we stood tall. We lifted up our head and we preached to them and we encouraged them. Amen. And so when it was all over, who do we go to? Do you go to your saints and tell them all your problems? No. Who do you go to? I'm glad there's one we can go to. Sometimes you go home, the nights that I've spent weeping, crying into the wee hours of the morning, praying, falling down at the chair and praying and seeking God. Amen. And sometimes it's because, sometimes it's because we have a great need. Sometimes it's because of the urgency that's on the preacher. And then the next service night, we have the responsibility of going out, squaring our shoulders, lifting our head up, and saying, Come on, church, let's have church. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And yet, there is such a great need. Oh, I thank God for this meeting. I'll, I'll have my little part done in a few minutes, Elder. But I thank God for this meeting. I thank God that we can come to a place like this and hear the Word of God and rub shoulders with one another and encourage one another and lift one another's hands up. 
Oh God, the pressure's on. I'm talking about battle-weary preachers and saints that's tired. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. And so sometimes the urgency that's upon us and our families. And our families. I mean, after all, you know, the preacher and his family. I mean, the preacher's kids are not supposed to be kids. The preacher's children are supposed to be little angels. Most of them think they're fallen angels. Oh, our folks have been very kind to my children, and I appreciate that. But I do remember, I do remember a time many years ago when some of them wasn't so kind in a place that I pastored. But I thank God it was only a very few. Amen, a very few. But yet, the pressures. Amen. And so let me go on here. Amen. <clears throat> Satan would love to smite the ministry. And wear out the saints. I hope you will excuse me for referring to personal things. I, I know my situation better than anybody's. And uh, in 1999, it was in October, I had a personal situation come up in my life, such a shepherd's life, a man where the devil attacked my immediate family. I'm going to tell you, he'll attack your wife. He'll attack your husband. He'll attack your children. He'll attack you with sickness. He'll attack you with nervous problems. Oh, Brother Shepherd, if you know God, none of these things are going to come your way. No, 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 no. No, that's not so. If you know God, he'll be with you. If you know God, he'll take you through these things. If you know God, he'll be there to help you. Amen. But there's times these things come our way. Amen. And so it was. Amen. You know, the devil really likes it when he can get something on a preacher. He really likes it when he can get something on a preacher's family. Amen. He really enjoys that when he can get one of your immediate family to fail or to fall. You know what he'll do? He will immediately be in your face and say, what are you going to do now, preacher? What are you going to do now, preacher? Are you going to keep preaching or are you going to compromise? My hat's off to preachers that will stand firm on the Word of God even when it comes to their own family. Don't expect more out of the saints than what you're willing to give. I don't want to expect more out of the saints. If I'm going to preach, you'll go to hell for going to a doctor. Then I better die without one. Graveyard of saints out there that died with no doctor. And then when I get sick, I run off to the saw bones. I don't mean to be critical, but I'm going to tell you, 
Amen. Same thing goes for the divorce and remarriage. Oh, I'm talking to preachers and their families. Ain't no, there's no laity here, is there? Other than us. But if it's good for the saints, it's good for me. And that's when the devil will come around and he'll say, now what are you going to do? You preached to the saints for years. What are you going to do now that it's come home to you? I'll tell you what we're going to do, devil. And I want you to hear this real good and clear. We're going to stand for the truth by the grace of God. And we're still going to preach it. Could I get a witness in this place today? Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot of preachers that I don't know across this auditorium today, but there are preachers in here that I do know. I know their life. I know what they've stood for, and I know some of the things they've been through. And I'm telling you, amen, if I could shout it from the housetop to the saints of God in churches across this country that's represented here, I'd say you're in safe hands, uh, saint of God, because your preacher's not going to waffle, and he's not going to back up on truth. You can be seated. God bless you. What are you going to do? I'm going to, by my help of the Lord, I'm going to preach. Sister Shepherd and I were in the country of Jordan at this time with my son and his family. We were missionaries there, and we were sitting in a nice restaurant right down close to the shore of the Red Sea. King Hussein's ship was just a short ways off and docked there in one of his palaces was close by very nice setting we were enjoying a little bit of fellowship with our children and all of a sudden the phone rang all of a sudden the phone rang and in silence prevailed where a jovial attitude and an enjoyment all of a sudden silence and on the other end was news that would turn my life upside down on the other end was news that would make me a battle weary preacher one phone call does anybody know what I'm talking about Something died in me that day. No, the Spirit of God did not diminish. My love for God didn't change. But there was something died in me that day. Please forgive me, preachers. But I got a feeling there's some preachers sitting in here that can relate to what I'm saying today. One call, one phone call can change a lot of things in your life. Amen. If you're here this afternoon, and, and I, I've got to hurry on, but if you're here this afternoon and, and you're battle-weary, and you're facing some things that you don't know what to do about and you've never faced before, let me encourage you. God's on your side. 
God will see you through it. You may spend some nights of weeping. You may spend some nights of prayer. You may spend some nights when it seems like sleep flees from you. Amen. But I'm telling you, God will be on your side. While the devil's in your face. When I got back to the States, I went to the pulpit and I let our church know without any reservation that I will still be preaching the same thing I've always preached. Praise the name of the Lord. You say, preacher, amen, has everything straightened out and leveled out? No, amen, but I'm glad to report that just a few Sundays ago, amen, my son was in the church weeping and crying, and he's under conviction, and I'm thankful for that, amen. But I'm telling you, there's some things sometimes that can happen to us. That's why we need to be in meetings like this, to where we can receive strength and go back to our respective churches, amen and have some more strength to preach to our people and help those people make heaven. Can you say praise the Lord? I remember a missionary telling me one time. He said, you know, I, I was... I'd got word that his son had drowned. And I jumped in the car. He was in another state doing missionary work, and I jumped in the car and I went as quickly as possible to his home to be there with his wife and family before he got there. And so I was talking with him and he said, you know, he said, here I am trying to save others and I've lost my own. His son was a backslider, drowned in a backslidden condition. And so these things weigh on ministers and on preachers and their families. Hallelujah. And they need to hear somebody say, Hallelujah. They need to hear somebody say, You can make it. They need to hear somebody say, God's with you. They need to hear somebody say, Lift your head up. Amen. Keep on preaching. God has not forsaken you. Hallelujah. I'm just preaching about. I'm just preaching about weary preachers, battle-weary preachers and wore-out saints. Amen. Let me go on here. I, I was feeling sort of bad about this, about this message and the title of the message. Amen. And uh, until I read a verse of Scripture, and I want to read it to you here, in Jeremiah chapter 20, listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse number 7. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay for I heard the defaming of many fear on every side report say they and we will report it all my familiars watch for my halting saying peradventure he will be enticed and we shall prevail against him and we shall take our revenge on him but the Lord is with me 
Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord to that? The Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. He said, I said, I'm not going to make mention anymore in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, sometimes you may get weary. You may get to the place that you feel like what's the use sometimes amen seems like sometimes people won't listen to what you're trying to preach to them amen but when that fire begins to burn hallelujah when the holy ghost begins to move on you you will preach again in closing i'd like to take you to first kings chapter 19 amen i want to talk about elijah here in closing this afternoon and Ahab, 1 Kings 19 verse 1, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now the first thing I want to say today is Elijah was not scared of that woman. Elijah's took a pretty good rap at times, you know what I mean? But Elijah wasn't, he wasn't afraid of Jezebel. Now he did run because, and he left out because he knew that if he stayed, he was going to get killed. Now, he did do that. But he didn't leave out because he was afraid of her. He left out because he was tired. He was weary. He wasn't scared of Jezebel. My word, he had just killed 450 prophets. If he didn't do it by his own hand, he stood there while they did it. 450 prophets. He just stood out in the midst of all the prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Jezebel. Of the grove, he stood there in the midst of all that by himself. He just went up on the mountain and prayed for rain. And it rained. And I'm going to tell you what. You try doing all that. Killing 450 prophets, praying for rain, and then running 17 miles to Jezreel and see how tired you are. The emotional portion of this had drained Elijah. Amen. And he was tired and he was weary. But I just want to go on record today telling you there's no one God preacher going to be scared to death of a woman. Name Jezebel. <laughs> now can I get an amen? Praise God. Hey, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. God, I've had it. I preached in Las Vegas many years ago. Brother Mefford's church, I think he's here somewhere. Brother Mefford, I never have forgiven you. 
but I'm going to forgive you today, I guess. I preached in his church and he put one of them lapel mics on me. I wish they'd have stuck a broom handle in my hand or something so I could have had something. I wasn't used to that lapel mic. I, at least that's what I'm blaming it on. But anyhow, anyhow, the subject was, the subject was, I've had it syndrome. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? I've had it. I have had it. I'm up to here. Well, unbeknownst to me, I, I prayed and I got that message. And, and at St. Louis, when I was getting ready to board the plane the night before, Seth Shepard and I went there to check out the, the gates and everything. And while we were in the airport terminal for just about 30 minutes, somebody broke into the car, stole uh, much of our clothes and, and one thing and another. And there we were. And, and I had to wear the same suit for the whole conference. That's all I had. When you're the size I am, you don't go pick one off the shelf and put it on. You understand what I mean? You just got, there's got to be some alterations. <laughs> Somebody said, I'm not overweight, I'm just under tall. <laughs> and so, when I got there, it sure fit. Amen. I've had it. And I had had it. Praise God. But listen, Elijah said, it is enough. Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. The first thing God did. Now, I want to tell you, and just stay with me for a few more minutes till I finish this. Listen, God was not mad at Elijah. Number two, Elijah was not in trouble with God. His fleeing had nothing to do with him being in trouble with God. He did not have a direct command to go cut that witch's head off. I'm talking about Jezebel. He didn't have a command. God hadn't told him anything about that. He had already done what... He was supposed to do. He had already killed the 450 prophets of Baal. He had already prayed for rain and it was raining. He had already run the marathon. He had already done what God said to do. And now, old Jezebel says, I'm going to get you, buddy. And he says, I'm too tired to fool with her. I'm too tired to mess with this. Matter of fact, I'm just tired. I'd just soon die. Get out of all this. And so here he went out there and he left his servant and he went on and slept under a juniper tree. Anybody ever been under a juniper tree? Maybe not physically, but I got a feeling I've been under a few times. And he went to sleep. And God looked down and he saw Elijah. Here was this great man that had just stood before all of this opposition. And God looked down and saw him. And, and God said to the angel, go down there, go down there and wake Elijah up and say, by the way, uh, just before you wake him up, fix him something to eat. My prophet's tired. He's tired. He's weary. He's battle weary. 
And so the angel came and touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. I don't want God mad at me. I don't want God upset at me. When I get weary and when I find myself under a juniper tree, I want God to be able to send help to me. And so the angel came and fixed him something to eat and gave him something to drink. And the Bible said, and he did eat and drank and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise. Well, I love this story because I see the mercy of God in it. I see God in it in a way that sometimes he's helped me. And I do not compare myself to Elijah in any way, shape, or form. But I see the tenderness of God dealing with a battle-weary preacher. I see the tenderness of God dealing with a worn-out saint. The last thing in the world that a worn-out saint needs is somebody to tell him, you can't make it, you might as well give up anyhow. They don't need that. The last thing that a battle-weary preacher needs is somebody said, well, I figured it happened that way anyhow. Amen. There's, there's not much hope for you. You might as well forget it. Amen. No. But look what the Lord did. The angel came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey, the journey is too great for you. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. Whew, what a meal. <laughs> Under Mount Horeb. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What doest thou here, Elijah? Oh, I, li I like the way God's operating here as they give us some music. I'm getting ready to close. God didn't say to him, You sorry preacher. I've never seen anybody any more sorry than you. When you've seen what I've done in the past, when you've seen the power and the miracles, you are sorry. You are not supposed to be weary. You're not supposed to be tired. Hello, preachers. You're not supposed to get down. You're not supposed to get under any type of load that would drive you to your knees and on your face. But let me burst the bubble of folks that don't have a clue. Sometimes we do get tired. Sometimes we do get weary. Sometimes we do find ourselves under the juniper tree. And the Lord sends an angel. And the Lord sends another man of God. How many times when I was going through my hardest trial of my life, how many times has a preacher come over and laid his hands on me?
How many times has somebody, some preacher, wrapped his arms around me? Say, oh, you're nothing but a sissy. No. No, I've just been preaching a long time, and I'm dealing with reality. And somebody, somebody in this building here today, no doubt, I'm not a prophet, but I'm telling you, somebody in this building today is battle-weary. And God's here to help you. God's here to lift you up. God's here to strengthen you. Listen to what he said. Amen. And he came to Elijah. And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down the altars and slain the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth. I like this. I like the way God does this. He said, I'm the only one left. Now, I'm going to tell you what right now. God could have stopped him right there and give him one of the worst whippings of his life. God could have stopped him right then and really worked on Elijah. But notice that. Between verse 10 and 11, he didn't say anything. He just said, go forth. Go forth. Go forth. And I think that's what the Lord's telling us today. Go forth. And stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. I'm going to tell you, amen, it was the angel before that came, but now the Lord has passed by. Hallelujah. Listen to it. The Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains that broke the, the rocks in pieces and, and the Lord wasn't in all of this and, and the earthquake and the fire and, and the Lord wasn't in that but there came a still small voice after the fire. Amen. The Lord spoke to him in a still small voice. I want to tell you here in closing as we stand to our feet if you would please. Amen. All Elijah needed if you don't get anything else from listen to this all Elijah needed was some rest and a word from God and I don't know about you but I've come to this place I need some rest and a word from God and I feel that there's others that have come just needed some Holy Ghost rest and a word from God. And I'm going to tell you, last night and today, we have already received. If we'd have said amen and went home after Elder Enzi got through teaching, amen, it would have been well worth the trip already. Can you say praise the Lord? There came a voice to him as he stood in the entering end of the cave. And after he had heard the voice of God... He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, again, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, and etc. He said, I'm the only one left. They seek to take my life. And again, the Lord said, again, God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your kindness our times of weariness I thank you for your love and your mercy listen to what he said and the Lord said unto him go 
return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria, Jehu the son of Nimshan, etc. Elisha the son of Shaphat, and on and on. And it came to pass that him that it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. Him that escaped the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Listen to what he said. He said, go. You've had some rest now. And I'm giving you a word. Go. Battle-weary preacher. Tired saint. Get up and go for Jesus hallelujah and I like this I like this and just before he left <laughs> just before he left it's as if God said "And by the way Elijah by the way Elijah Elijah already tell him, told him that he was the only one left twice So God, in his way, said to Elijah, By the way, I've got 7,000 that's never bowed their knee to Baal. <laughs> Battle-weary preacher, tired saint, let me tell you something. Amen. God only knows how many years of ministry, thousands of years of ministry, is represented in this auditorium today of the hundreds of preachers that are here of the hundreds of preachers that are here there's hundreds of thousands possibly at least tens of thousands of saints that you represent and so if there was ever a day that we need God's help if there was ever a time that we need God to help us in our moments of weariness tiredness it's to hear God say get up and go get up and go could you lift your hands to the Lord could you thank him for his mercy and kindness in those times of weariness I pray to God today that if you're in this place place today you're feeling tired and you're feeling weary praise god